I've always thought that Labor Day was misnamed. I always thought it should be rest from your Labor Day because we work and we need rest. Sometimes we can get pretty weary. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I come into worship, I think to myself, I am weary from work, from relationships, from whatever is going on in our lives. But then I am reminded that Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus Christ is our rest. He is our living water, and we worship him this morning. Tell me what you would do. I had just started my first full-time ministry position right out of seminary. I was a youth minister at a church in East Tennessee, and we had uh, just moved there, just started, probably had been there about a month, and it was Wednesday night, and in that part of the country on Wednesday nights, churches have fellowship dinners, and we were, Robin and I were sitting at a table with two other couples during this fellowship dinner, and to be honest with you, I wasn't really paying that much attention to the conversation, but I did hear someone say, the, uh, one, uh, the wife of one of the couples say, I just wish that God would go ahead and tell my husband what we're going to do because I'm tired of waiting. And she was talking about some instance, that instance that they were planning and they were trying to make a decision about, and she was bemoaning the fact that God was taking his time telling her husband what they should do. Now, Robin has a wit. (laughs) And so she said immediately, as soon as she heard that, she said, Oh, really? Well, in our house, God tells me what to do, and I tell Brian. <laughs> and the woman got all serious, and she st- her face fell, and she started teaching Robin and me about the biblical view of families. And the biblical view of families is thus, according to her, that God created families in a hierarchy with the man at the top followed by the woman or the wife, and then the children. And that if God wants to speak to the family, God will speak to the male. And then the male will tell the family what's going on. Well, now at this point, I'm fully engaged in the conversation. (laughs) I'm like, this could get interesting. And so Robin and I started telling this couple about, in our marriage, that's not the way we work it that we believe that everyone in the family can hear from God and has the Holy Spirit in them. And that we had a marriage that was egalitarian, that there wasn't a leader or a ruler, that we all, we were both equal, no matter what our role or what we did in our family. Well, at that point, the husband of the couple stood up, said, I don't like what I'm hearing, and walked right out of the room. Today we're going to look at Colossians, this passage in Colossians, where he and that family got the idea that God's way of structuring the family is a hierarchy with the man at the top. But what we're going to look at is see is that when we interpret this passage, I think, correctly, we interpret it through the eyes of Jesus. And when we interpret through the eyes of Jesus, that interpretation that they had completely falls apart because Jesus is all about 
humility and respect and dignity and love. And when we look at this passage through those eyes, we see we are to submit one to another. Let us pray. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what it is you want us to learn this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're in our fourth week of a study of the book of Colossians, and we've looked at how Paul instructed his readers in the way of the Christian life, the truth of Christ alone, and the life lived in Christ. And this morning we're going to talk about a passage in this letter that even today, some 2,000 years later, causes considerable debate. The passage that Jim read from Colossians is called a household code. The letters of Paul, they contain two such household codes. This one in Colossians and another one almost identical in Ephesians chapter 5. And they are called household codes because they speak to the structure of the Christian home. How Christians should conduct themselves in relation to other members of their family. Now, both of these passages, the one in Colossians and the one in Ephesians, they cause a lot of tension in our collective Christian conscience. In fact, there are some of you this morning that are squirming a little in your seat at the very reading of this passage in worship. There is a tension that arises in us when we read this passage, a tension that I think is well placed. Why is that? Well, one reason is that there is the implied patriarchy of this passage. Just a cursory reading of this text can lead one to believe that Paul was instituting a family code where the man was always in charge, the man was always right, and the man is always to be obeyed. It's a way of living that makes women second-class citizens and devalues their gifts and belittles their contribution and stifles the work of the Holy Spirit in them. It's this patriarchy that got me in trouble at that same church when I mentioned, that that I talked about at the beginning, when I asked a girl to lead the whole youth group in prayer. That got me in trouble. So there's some tension there. Another reason we feel tension when we read this passage is the implied support of slavery. In fact, if you go and read sermons from the South during the run-up to and during the Civil War, you will see these very verses used to justify slavery in America. So when we see slavery mentioned in this text, we tend to get a little anxious, and for good reason. Another reason we feel unease when hearing this text is that we can see how it is used to create hierarchy, where someone is always on top. And someone else is always on the bottom. And of course, some of us feel tension around this text because we have seen or we have been hurt by it. Or we have been hurt ourselves. Too often these verses and the ones in Ephesians have been used as clobber verses to attack another person or their position. And you know what happens when you get clobbered with something? It hurts. Even when you are getting clobbered with a verse of Scripture, maybe especially when you're getting clobbered with a verse of Scripture. 
And so it's perfectly understandable for there to be some tension in our spirits when we read this passage. And yet, these verses are here. And they need to be dealt with in an appropriate and serious way. But how do we deal with these verses then? What is our response to them, especially recognizing this tension that rises up in us when we hear them? Well, one response is to take them literally, much like my friends in East Tennessee. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But taking these verses literally, without regard to context of the whole testimony of Scripture, is not taking them seriously. Reading these verses as literal commands only adds to the tensions we mentioned. And of course, if we take the part about wives submitting literally, then we have to take the part about slavery literally, and no one is arguing for that. Another response to the anxiety we feel about these verses is just to ignore them, to act like they are not even in the Bible. This is the easy way out. But I would argue that there is meaning in these verses, and we need to take them seriously as we do all of Scripture. A third response to these verses is to use them to justify throwing out all of Scripture and all of Christ. The thinking is that if the Bible gets this wrong, then why read or listen to any of it? If the Bible advocates patriarchy and hierarchy and slavery, then I don't want to have anything to do with it at all. But I would argue that when we take the Bible seriously, it opens us up to Christ and to God in a way that nothing else can. The easy thing to do is just to throw it all out because we read something that upsets us. The hard thing to do, but the most profitable thing, is to study and learn and listen and interpret Scripture in a serious and honest way that opens us up to the whole of God. The fourth response to these verses is one that I think does take Scripture seriously. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And that is to interpret them in their cultural context and through the eyes of Jesus. To say that the cultural context of the Colossians was different from ours is like the understatement of the summer. There were no family rights to anyone other than the male head of household. Women and children and slaves had no recognition other than that recognition that came from the husband and the father. Women were to have no opinion, no voice, and certainly no rights. Husbands were not seen so much as the loving provider of the family as they were the CEO of the household. In fact, love had very little to do with the structure of the home in this culture. So when Paul writes that Christian husbands should love their wives and should not provoke their children to anger, he was actually being quite radical. These were not views that were shared with the culture. In fact, Paul was telling the Colossians that now that they were followers of Christ, they needed to live in a very different and a very radical way. One reason we know this is found in other verses that Paul wrote, including one in Galatians, 
Galatians 3.28, which says, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And in the book of Ephesians, where this other listing of the household code is found, he writes, be subject or be submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. We can call it mutual submission. Brothers and sisters, we should all be submissive to each other. When Paul is actually, what Paul is actually doing here is the most radical thing. He is saying that in Christ, these divisions among us no longer exist. In Christ, submission is not gender driven, for we should all be submissive to each other. In Christ, you don't get to treat your children like property, but with respect, honoring Christ in them. In Christ, husbands love and honor their wives as fellow believers made in the image of God. In Christ, wives walk with humility and in partnership with their husbands. In Christ, children obey their parents, not out of a false duty, but out of mutual love and respect. Now, where exactly did Paul get such radical ideas? From the same place that we go to, to interpret and understand what Paul is saying. And that is to Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of Jesus. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Whoever becomes humble, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say you do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? For if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. And Jesus says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. 
Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This morning, as we come to this table, we are not male and female, husbands and wives, parents and children. We are one in Christ. And this oneness in Christ compels us towards submitting one to another in all our relationships. No matter where you are in the story, no matter what role you play in the life of your family or in the lives of your friends, the command is the same. Submit one to another. This is the way of Christ. And this is what we celebrate at this table this morning. Let us pray. God, it is so easy to create hierarchies and differences. Thank you for reminding us that that is not your way. That you are calling us to something different, something radical. And that is submitting one to another. For we are all one in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.